0: what I really wanted to do with it especially with the deck component was just provide like an alternative like in the world of of tarot and oracle cards that was more inclusive most of the people in there are people of colour and they're all kind of um, either femme or non-binary people so it feels like it's not so restrictive and like anybody can pick it up and like find themselves in it and interpret it in a way that makes them feel comfortable
1: I'm Alison Rice, and welcome to Offline the Podcast. These are honest conversations about true self with the people behind the Instagram accounts and the teachers who help us on our way. A lot has changed since I launched Offline in September 2018. It started as a podcast, and thanks to your ongoing support, it turned into a movement. Today... Offline exists to help us explore the essence of who we are and how to live, create, and succeed in alignment with that. This is our true self. There's the podcast, a series of online courses I've created with our collective needs in mind, and experiences that allow us to connect as a community. Visit getoffline.co to find out more or follow getoffline.co on Instagram. I hope this episode helps you on your way. Thank you for being here. My next guest is someone I look up to. An intersectional healer, Jericho Mandibur works as an intuitive guide, spiritual self-care coach, tarot reader, Reiki practitioner, journalist, and podcaster. Even though she's younger than me, I want to be like Jericho when I grow up. An Australian living in LA, she most recently ran editorial at Girlboss Media That's right, directly under Sophia Amoruso. Before Sophia propositioned her with the role of editorial director, Jericho led teams across Mashable Australia, Oyster and ASOS. We had our honest Conversation on a video call, so apologies in advance for the sometimes dicey connection. That said, talking to her through a screen didn't make it any less special. Her aura transcends. I hope you enjoy part one of my honest Conversation with the amazing Jericho. I wondered, and I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Okay. I wondered if you would pull a card for me.
0: Absolutely. I will. I have some in front of me now.
1: Okay. I'm excited because, you do know, you I, want... tune in, I tune into this with you all the time. So I'm like selfishly like, I do it for
0: me. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. Do you want to kind of like, it's for you. It's like advice for you, right?
1: I feel like... Yes, I'm at, yes, a place where I, as I was just saying to you, I have been doing quite a bit of soul searching and really trying to figure out the next step, but then I guess intuitively knowing what it is and maybe it's a little bit of fear just holding me back from just Mm -hmm. doing it. You know, we were saying like, very good at building other people's brands
0: perhaps. Yes.
1: (laughs) Um, And maybe turning the attention onto my own. But yeah, so that's kind of where I am right now.
0: Okay, beautiful. So we'll just say, like, what advice do we have for Alison right now? Ooh, this is okay. nice. Okay. Okay, see that you makes you good. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a good sound. You've got the world. So the world is, like a beautiful powerful major arcana card and it's actually kind of the last card in the deck if you go in order of the major arcana so what that means is like it's it's kind of a big spiritual form of closure like the end of a chapter and stepping into something really new so this is wow. just literally reflecting your life right now and your story up until this point and cards do that so often like I find they just mirror your energy so rather than give you advice they'll say this is where you're at right now and it can be a bit like I know but the lesson in in this card is really like okay like you need to kind of you know Accept the learnings, like take everything with you that that's resonated. Discard the rest, and like be willing to start all over again, like a child, you know. So like you've come through all this like hurdles, and it's kind of like this um door opening at the other side, and you're kind of like, all right, let's do this again. Like it's like right back to the beginning. Like the end is is always the beginning. So it's really really exciting, and it kind of says like you've come so far, and like what you've learn is gonna like help you propel even further next time
1: oh man that is like intensely validating oh
0: good 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 it's like I feel mm so I
1: just feel so ready
0: yes well this is the energy of the world it's like I mean it's the it's the pinnacle so you can think of it as like enlightenment it's like ha ha like an aha moment of like Let's do this, you know. It's a graduation of like your spiritual journey.
1: Yes, so I graduate.
0: Sure. Get ready.
1: <laughs> do you? Um, it's actually not on my list of questions, but I thought it was interesting that I was in that big job for seven years.
0: Mm-hmm. And it,
1: like, how do you feel about those seven-year cycles? Because I do feel like I I went through that process and I closed, and I perhaps I stayed. Listen, maybe twelve months longer than maybe I should have. I don't know, but then I wasn't mm-hmm. ready to mm-hmm. go before that. Um but do you what do you think about seven year cycles?
0: Yeah, well like I definitely think that's that's real as hell. Like you can see that reflected a lot in like the tarot and in life. But seven like numerologically and I'm not a numerologist by any stretch, but the way that I understand it is kind of like you have this um this uh this build-up or this desire to like keep going like there's like these kinds of um these revelations that you've gathered so the six is almost like this um experience of of um something has accumulated to the point where you've gathered some strength you know like you have Mm -hmm. something really really solid now and then the seven is like not like a, a a challenge but it's very spiritual kind of like all right like if you're gonna do this like you have to like go in and it feels very um like for me I always just think of the phrase like you have to keep going <laughs> because the eight is gonna be beautiful and the seven is kind of like almost this like one step forward two steps back like can I can't I feeling and it requires a bit of like just I think a bit of patience and a bit of understanding that like the best has yet to come and you kind of have to like let yourself go further first. So it's a bit like a push.
1: Oh, man, this is all just resonating like <laughs> I feel like I'm probably on the cusp of the eight then mm-hmm. or maybe yeah. I've even got one foot into the eight actually because I know it's here and now and I'm in it Mm. yes and I've actually just moved out of fear you know I've been I think I've been blocking money
0: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: I've been so scared of not earning Mm -hmm. because you know and we'll talk about I can't wait to talk about what's next for you and your um your recent decision to move into your next chapter but I've spent probably the last five months comparing what I was earning to what I'm now not earning. Mm-hmm. And I finally arrived at that point where I'm like, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, it will come. And I know yeah. it will come. And I intimately know it will come and intuitively know it will come. And I think for the past five months, I've literally been in this just state of fear mm-hmm. and then just realizing that I don't actually cost very
0: much. Mm-hmm. And, to be honest, is actually quite hard to spend money now. Absolutely. That Mm. resonates with me so strongly because I find um, the more, the harder you work, the more you spend. (laughs) Because you do cost money when you're, less fulfilled I guess which I'm not to project that onto your situation but you know you're tired so you want to spend money on food and you want to drink so you go out you know like you can't be bothered so you just start living a little bit more excessively than you would if you were more conscious
1: oh my god totally so
0: I totally agree with that
1: And just buying into the programming that like I needed the new season Balenciagas yeah whereas now mm-hmm. I like look at that stuff and I'm like Oof. You were in a lot of pain when you bought those. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah, you got those shoes, but I mean, I've barely worn them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and it's weirder now, like in my new life, I'm literally like jeans and a t shirt every day. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. freeing in itself just to be able to get up and say, like, I don't need to really dress apart for a part yeah. now, you know?
0: Yeah, totally. And like, you don't really need money if you. If you're not going to do what you what you truly wish to be doing with it anyway, oh um, and just kind of like wasting it, and I I totally feel like that's something that because we're not taught like as women about our relationship with money that we all feel to one degree or another, it's a really big kind of taboo, and I think it's almost like a one of the last like explored frontiers of feminism, um, mm. which is why you know like at Girlboss we talk talked about money so much because. Um, we're told that we don't understand it. Oh, I'm just bad with maths and numbers. It's not my thing. Like, I'm more creative. And then it's like, we don't really talk to our friends about money. Like, we know that there's a wage gap and things like that, for example. But, like, I don't know what most of my friends make, you know. Like, Mm. there's this weird silence and shame around it as if, like, um, it means so much to us, but at the same time, we can't even look it in the face.
1: Yes. Oh God, I'm gonna get onto questions for you now because okay. I have so many topics I want to cover <laughs> with you. Um I do wanna start on the career um, track. And I'm not sure we'll spend too much time there actually, but let's let's hit it and see. We didn't mm-hmm. actually know each other when you were in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, so I became much more aware of you and started sort of following you properly and following your journey when you moved to L.A. Um, but you did hold some incredible roles across titles like Mashable. I definitely knew when you were on Mashable, um, ITV and ASOS. And I just thought it was a nice um, sort of entry point. Like can you give us a bit of a summary of your sort of career journey up until this point because it is kind of fascinating
0: oh thank you (laughs) um all right well I I went to school I did gender studies and art history and then I took like a year off and just worked in like um a vintage store um and then I decided yeah it was great um and for better or worse (laughs) I decided to go back and do like a grad diploma of journalism um so in that I interned at Dolly magazine and at Oyster and then I got a writing job at Pages Digital um which is Mm -hmm. kind of like yeah like fashion music and stuff um publication and then I was kind of like assistant editor or something like that there for a while and then I was um picked up as the online editor at Oyster Yes, so I was there for a while, and then I made made the move to ASOS. Um, so kind of different, like a lot more product driven, and a lot more copywriting and things like that. Um, and that was really interesting. But then I was like, "Mm, I want to do more like journalistic work and I want to feel like I'm making a bit more of a difference. So then I went to NITV, which is the SBS-owned National Indigenous Television Station. Um, And I was doing the same kind of thing, just, you know, like online writing and editing. Um, And that was really good, but I, I didn't really stay there for a while because, you know, it wasn't necessarily like a role that was like fit for me every role there like ideally should be like an Indigenous identified person which I'm not so I moved on to Mashable from there and I was kind of like the the bureau chief or the editor of um of Mashable Australia yeah that was really great and I had a great time but as you can imagine like I was pretty tired by this point and I was obviously Mm -hmm. kind of flitting around and seeing what worked and what I was most interested in and they were all really interesting and like I'm a I'm a naturally curious person um for better or worse which is kind of why those role those publications are so diverse um but by this point I was kind of just like tired (laughs) and so I was still at Mashable but I was kind of like really personally like on a kind of like a spiritual journey so I was like getting in getting back into tarot which I'd had been interested in when I was younger but avoided largely because I was like, A, I was like a bit superstitious of it, like I was scared of it, and B, it wasn't like cool. Mm. So I was doing a lot of that. I was meditating. I had tarot teachers. I was kind of like, I think I should be doing something else. Like I should be like, I don't know what, but like something needs to change. you um, kind
1: of feel like at that point you were like you knew – what you should be doing, but you were kind of suppressing that or bearing that a bit,
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was like too scared to really like admit what how drastic a change it would have to be. Um, <laughs> okay. yeah, totally. and I was doing things in my life to kind of um distract myself, so i um I moved out of my place and I was subletting a friend's place while she was away, and I didn't really know why, but I was just kind of like setting myself up for a big change to come. And then the change that like ended up coming and, um, making me move to America was that Sophia Amaruso, who's the founder of Girlboss, um, hit me up and she'd previously I just, hit me. We just me- need to pause there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. It's Tell me the moment that <laughs> her name is in your, was that like LinkedIn or email?
0: That was LinkedIn, but weirdly she had like followed my work at Oyster Magazine because I did these like stupid like red carpet roundups um, where I was kind of like semi-dragging people but also enjoying myself and, and oh my she God, liked how our best work. <laughs> You're right, I love that stuff. So um, we, we got talking um, then super briefly, but I have to admit like I didn't really understand like who she was at that time um and I was younger so I was kind of like okay whatever like I don't want to move to LA that was for nasty gal um so yeah she she dm'd me on LinkedIn and just said um come work with me at Girlboss Media or like join me at Girlboss Media exclamation exclamation and I was like that's weird um but like cool so we like got on a Skype conversation and um Yeah, she was, like, really interested um, and it sounded really amazing and exciting and obviously so different. And, like, I had no good reason to stay. Like, I wasn't in a relationship. I didn't have anything, like, a lease keeping me there. Mm. So, um, How interesting that you'd kind
1: of already manoeuvred your life to a point where you could just pick up and go.
0: Yeah, like, I had my bags still packed from, like, moving into my friends, so it felt really serendipitous and and crazy. Like I knew it was coming, Um, but I hadn't been to the States or anything. So I kind of just was taking like a huge risk and it was really scary. Um, And then, yeah, like we just figured out the visa stuff and I was um, in LA like five or six weeks later.
1: Wow. Yeah. And tell me what it was like landing in LA with no, I mean, you know, it's that thing where it's like, is it Venice? Is it Santa Monica? Am I a West Hollywood Mm -hmm. gal? Is it Larchmont Village? Like it's so many different sort of, yeah, places. How
0: you even know? I didn't know. Well, the office was in Silver Lake, which is on the east side. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to live around there. So the decision was kind of made for me. Um, And I'm not really like naturally that um, adventurous. So I I didn't really want to like, um, leave it up to chance so before I went I was like rapidly searching for a a roommate and everything so by the time I landed I had found a place um in East Hollywood so when I got there I like went and like met my roommate who I found on Facebook (laughs) and then um started work and it was like a 10 minute drive down the road um like the next day or the next couple of days so ever since then I've kind of been in this one small pocket of LA like I love visiting other places um like I love Santa Monica and Venice but I'm very much like embedded here now just because of habit
1: <laughs> it also just takes so long to get everywhere else
0: oh absolutely and I don't drive so that also really creeped me out about LA mm. but it's been fine
1: you spend a lot of money on Ubers
0: mm-hmm. but they're so much cheaper here in Australia Ubers are just a rort nobody tells you that
1: no I know <laughs> Um, I did want to talk about those early days at Girl Boss Media because I feel like, you know, one of the best things that ever happened to me professionally was helping build a business from the ground up. Mm-hmm. You know. But when I was in it at that time, I didn't realise the gift I was being given in that sort of very sort of startup hustle sort of, you know, mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wondered what was it like? Like when you arrived in that company, was it still obviously super small and yeah. still established.
0: Yeah, it was small. Um, there was like five or like six people. Um, and it was essentially just kind of like a, a website or a, like kind of a bloggy version of, um, a website that was originally designed to promote the, the girl boss book. Um, so when I started, there was an editor who was also like writing all the stories and that was the only per- member of the editorial team um, and they didn't really have like a calendar or a style guide or any kind of um like editorial strategy so so yeah it was it was pretty pretty small um Sophia, on a whim, had just decided to hold this kind of conference um, thing off the back of the book, and that was the first Girlboss rally. So that had just finished. So we knew, okay, like we're an experiential kind of media company, and we also have this site, um, but the rest was kind of like up for grabs.
1: And to be written, how incredible.
0: Yeah, it was and really cool.
1: you have recently decided to expand.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the word.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I thought really hard about that word actually because I've been talking a lot about um, reframing the word quitting or failure and, you know, when I think about my own journey out of Alua, it was absolutely about expanding and evolution. For me there was like I literally could have stayed there forever, Mm. loved my boss. Loved my team. Fucking love those brands, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. they still feel like my firstborns. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But I just knew that, I, you know, it was just so time for me to really feel a bit, I guess, Um, yeah, I don't know if scared's the right word but certainly challenged again. Um, Can we talk about your decision to expand? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I,
0: I absolutely resonate with everything you just said. Um, that's exactly how it felt for me as well. I loved working there and I loved being a part of building something that I was like so proud of. And I could have absolutely stayed there as well. Um, but I kind of had this feeling that I wasn't being authentic or like true to myself um in a couple of ways. One was, you know, I spent so much time there and on the podcast self-service talking about self-care as being like the flip side of the hustle but equally important and I just wasn't really living that um because you know I'm obsessed with self-care and I love talking about it and being an advocate for it but that doesn't mean I'm good at it like I don't know if anybody is you know so um I'm constantly trying um and I felt like if I wanted to try more and if I wanted to kind of like step into like what I felt was the 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 right um lifestyle for me, like just in terms of rebalancing the scales of where I put my energy, then something had to change. And it, it really just had to be um, stepping away from my full-time job there, just simply because I'm sure you you're probably the same, but like my style of work is pouring my entire self into my work oh. and just like give all my energy and that is my life you know like I, I'm kind of for better or worse like I'm kind of a workaholic in that way so I was like well I can't slowly slowly like chip away at this I feel like it has to just be cold turkey um so yeah like I just kind of wanted to see what part-time work would be like what freelancing would be like what um moving into like working in other avenues that are more aligned with, um, what I'm like becoming more and more about, which is self-care and spirituality and what that would be like. So I was like, yeah, like I'm 33. Like if not now, when there's never a good time, you're never going to feel ready. I'd been like thinking about it on and off, you know, my whole career, I, I felt like I was on like a speeding train and like, I couldn't get off, you know? So, um, I just felt like I had to take the leap and if I didn't I was going to get more and more pissed off with myself, (laughs) you know, and um, I get chronic migraines so it it also was like a fairly easy decision at the end of the day because after all of that um, I had like doctors being like, you know, you really shouldn't be living like this and you shouldn't be working these many hours and things like that. So um, once I had like a third party I was like, okay, (laughs) Fair enough.
1: Which kind of is a permission slip. Mm -hmm. I don't know, in a lot of ways. I don't know how it felt for you, but I think the reason it took me so long to truly pluck up the courage to resign was my um, attachment to my boss Mm -hmm. and this kind of need to serve and Mm. please. And because he took me under his wing you know, five years prior, I felt very indebted to him actually and all of the time that he had spent and the care and the the very careful mentorship. Mm. And so when I decided to move on, that was just the hard, one of the hardest conversations of my life was sitting down with him and saying like, I feel like I'm breaking up the team, you know what I mean? Because we were such like a fantastic sort of duo and we worked so well together. Um, mm. and I fucking lost it. Like, I mean, it's not that he, had, he had certainly seen me cry, cry, you know, um, that job was challenging in so many ways for me personally, but, um, yeah, I had this real thing where I was leaving him, you know, and mm. he disappointed in me and of course he wasn't. And the conversation was absolutely fine, but it took me really a year to actually pluck up the courage here yeah, to say, like, I got to go. Mm-hmm. And I wondered, Was that the same for you? And was that conversation sort of met with like grace or?
0: Yeah, it it was the same. I felt very, very guilty. I don't know how, I don't know why it is like that, but it's like the more you respect the people that you work with or you like the company, like the harder it is. Like it should feel easy, but um, I felt very emotional because I was so grateful that I'd been given like this kind of whole new life, like in LA um so there's a there was a part of me that felt like I'm betraying like um somebody who has been so generous um so it was really really difficult to to pluck up the courage and by the time I did I was I was a mess I was crying so much um but it was also fun because I think especially for um a a brand like Girlboss um like this is what we're all about like Yes. our whole mission is, is, um, giving people like the tools they need to like make informed decisions about how they want to live their lives and redefine success for themselves and make themselves happy without, um, anyone else's approval, you know? So that's kind of what was reflected back to me. It was like, Hey, like, this is literally what we do and it's going to happen internally as well. And, um, there's there are a lot of people that work there that have passionate side hustles and things like that as well so I think it's kind of the natural course of things but yeah like you couldn't convince me of that at the time I was like shitting myself
1: oh my god I was just a bloody wreck like (laughs) the real ugly crying like Anyway, and he he knew as well because I was like I just kept having to pause and saying just you're just gonna have to sit there and watch me fucking sob for a second. And obviously knew what was coming, but um yeah, it's one of the more sort of emotionally intense conversations I've had in my time. Um I'm actually we're having dinner and margaritas tomorrow night, so Nice. He remains a, um, a steady friend and I think an always, an always mentor actually. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I just wanted to know your experience with that. Cause sometimes I'd wondered whether as I'm, am I just a big wuss, you know, but I don't think it's isolated. I think we all feel the guilt of making a decision for ourselves to put ourselves first, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Literally. Yeah. It's, it's hard. And, and what always helps me is just remembering that, um, as much as you do have a great relationship with these people and as much as like all of that is true it is a business at the end of the day and like you can't feel like you can't see it as a family like you have to see it as a team you know like there's a very big difference and the the difference is in your kind of like emotional like duty to this thing um like that can hold you back for in in really in really toxic ways if you let it um so I think it's really important to just kind of um separate the people from the business and think of yourself like that as well and just think you know like what's the most um logical best thing for all parties and like this is the road that we're taking and this is why and try and kind of like not beat yourself up for it It just doesn't make any sense but of course Mm -hmm. at the time it doesn't feel like that
1: the emotional stakes are high I think that's Mm -hmm. fantastic advice and when I reflect I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned is I will never um, give myself up in that way to um, a business again. And so Mm -hmm. perhaps I had to be um, that deeply embedded to learn that. Um, But I just now I'm kind of looking at everything in full control of how much of myself. I give and I I couldn't have known that there's just no way I would have been able to learn that without being so wedded to it you know Mm,
0: yeah you really do have to like live through it um but because we're both in media like if we just use that industry as an example like money is always going to be like the number one thing and companies are laying people off left right and center like this isn't a time to um give your entire like heart and soul and um, like health and and happiness to a business because what you get back isn't necessarily like what Mm. you're going to expect and it's your life like we should we just shouldn't have those kinds of like really emotionally intense fraught relationships with the people that hire us because it it just it just kind of like slows things down Jericho and I switched gears to
1: something very exciting. In April 2019, she released her very own tarot book and deck of cards called Neo Tarot. Neo meaning new and referring to the new and empowering tarot movement we're all experiencing and want to explore. Jericho and I discuss the importance of diversity and inclusion within the wellness industry in part two of our Honours Conversation, but Neo Tarot is proof she's already showing us the way. Her choice of language, design, and illustration is beautiful and inclusive. Instead of using my own words to try and describe just how important and special Neo-Tarot is, I'm going to use Jericho's own. Anything you can read of hers, do it. Her writing will challenge and expand you. Okay, here we go. While divination is an intrinsic part of the card's past and future, Tarot speaks to a new generation through the language of self-discovery Self actualization and yes, self care. It's about becoming present, uncovering your potential and getting to know your deepest truths. Neo Tarot is about forgiving yourself, cherishing yourself and feeling yourself, as well as holding yourself accountable and never shrinking away from growth. Neo Tarot is for everyone, it should be accessible and inclusive. Being a Neo-Tarot reader means never presuming anything about the identities or practices of your querent slash yourself, never passing judgment, and never participating in shady spiritual practices like cultural appropriation. There's no need to play yourself. You're simply a person on a journey of self-discovery, like everyone else. Oof, how good. I couldn't recommend Neo-Tarot more. It's available on Amazon now, and I've linked it in this episode's show notes. Full disclosure: it's an affiliate link.
0: I feel so funny that I I wrote a book. Um, it just kind it's of crazy. Like still creeps me out. Yeah, it's it's really funny to kind of like um, think about it going into the world and and being a, an author. Like I don't know, but it's it's I'm really proud of it because the deck. Um, and the illustrator that worked on the deck, her name is Diana Ruiz and she's based in Brazil. Um, and she's just the most amazing illustrator. It just could not look any cuter, I think. And I was um talking to the publishers about my dream illustrators and I gave them a three and she was number one. And um, the fact that she said yes just made me like so happy and it just looks so beautiful vibrant and colorful and modern and what I what I really wanted to do with it um especially with the deck component was just um provide like some an alternative like in the world of of tarot and oracle cards that was more inclusive um so most of the people in there um are people of color and they're all kind of um either Fair more non-binary people so it feels like it's not so restrictive and like anybody can pick it up and like find themselves in it um and interpret it in a way that makes them feel comfortable and like it's for everybody because tarot has this weird tradition of not necessarily being like that so um so that makes me really proud and then the actual writing of it was just like I don't know it was so, it was so challenging
1: yes um well I'm it, even just thinking like in a practical sense, like how did you write a book while being in a role, which I know that how demanding that role would have been. Mm. Like are we just talking late
0: nights and weekends or? Exactly, yeah. Um, It was was basically all weekends Um, and then when it was crunch time it was like late nights as well. But I kind of just tried to put it in my calendar, like be really, really vigilant about the times that I was dedicating to it and just like not veer from that As much as I could, Um, so I didn't. I just, I didn't really have a social life for a while. (laughs) Um, Like on Saturdays, I always read tarot. So in between readings, or if I had like a a kind of a slow Saturday, I would just spend the whole day writing, no matter what. And then um, I kind of did the same on Sundays for a little while. So yeah, I kind of just sacrificed my entire social life um, to get it done, which I I wouldn't recommend. (laughs) Sorry? How long
1: did it take to write it?
0: Oh, okay. So it took probably like um seven to eight weeks. Mm. And it's it's not big. And I think Tarot is actually a really good first kind of book for me to write because you know there's 78 cards like you need meanings for each you can break it down really easily so i basically made this like huge chart on my wall and broke down like every segment of the book and how many like hundreds of words i was allotting to each segment so then it became a lot easier to just like tick sections off as i go so yeah that's kind of like that would be my advice to to other writers is just kind of like break it down really mathematically and then just a lot time Um, so that it feels, like, not so just overwhelming and, like, you just have to spew out a book.
1: Mm, And where do you even bloody start with that stuff? And then Mm -hmm. I had wondered, like, what advice you might have for aspiring um, authors who might be aspiring writers who are listening. How does one get a book deal?
0: Oh, yeah. I'm not the best person to ask because I was just lucky enough to be – like the editorial director of Galvos, frankly, is I think what happened. So they emailed me and they'd seen an article I wrote about self-care and they were like, would you want to write some kind of illustrated like picture book on self-care, like a self-care A to Z? Um, and I was like, thank you so much for asking, great idea. What about tarot? <laughs> <laughs> so I just kind of twisted their arm um, and I Googled book proposal to see what sections like a book proposal normally had and like how long they were, like what what the hell they were. And I quickly put together one for a tarot book instead. And they must have known I just Googled it. It was only like two pages long and I just sent it back to them and I was like, yeah, here it is. Like here's like the contents page. Here's an excerpt from the intro. Here's like a few suggested names. Um, and like this is why I think it would be good. Yeah, they just kind of liked it. I think it was it was timing. Mm. You know, but um from what I hear from other people, there are um agents that list their details online and they're all kind of open to submissions. And so once you have an agent, it becomes a lot easier to get a book deal. Um if you just reach out to publishers without an agent, they basically like I mean, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> you can but I, I think it seems like there's an agent out there for everybody and they're all really, really happy to have proposals sent to them in um, in emails. And so I've noticed since then that there's, like, directories that exist for those people. So I would just kind of say start there. Um, but, yeah, I was one of those, like, privileged fuckers who just got somebody <laughs> come to me.
1: <laughs> but at the same time, like my gosh, so credible and like being approached for that role, like that's no mean feat and, you know, it's interesting as I think about the approach as well because you like we as women leading businesses, we are very observant and we watch and we Mm. start to follow people and try and get around what they're doing and understand who they are. It's quite a long process like when I think about, Women that I've approached for roles, I've often read their work for a couple of years and then Mm. you just kind of like end up in their inbox and they're like, oh, my God, so surprising. It's like, oh, my God, I've been stalking you online for however long. It's silent work, isn't it? That's true.
0: That's very true. I I love that Mm. about this kind of work, stalking people. Mm.
1: I stalk you all the time.
0: Uh (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um,
1: I wanted to self-care and my first question is so self us which everyone has to listen to because it's very fantastic self-service that is staying so you're staying on in a part-time capacity yeah do that is that how it's working
0: listen that's a very good question (laughs) um self-service is is something that um like I talked to Sophia about and I'm kind of allowed to keep doing it. Um, but I just about have to figure out how, like do mm-hmm. I shop it around to other networks? Do I just like record it at home on my own? Um, and both are totally feasible, but It's just such early days that I haven't figured it out yet and it's been a hiatus for the longest time and people keep DMing me and saying like when's it coming back and I just have to say stay tuned I don't know but um I'm determined now that I've kind of like shifted my life around um to keep it going and give it a little bit more love so yeah um let's get back to self-care
1: Okay. Um I love your stance on it, which is um spiritual well-being and self-care is our birthright. Um mm-hmm. I've actually written that in the notes section of my phone before after reading some of your stories. Oh, um, that's too
0: <laughs> beautiful. I can't. <laughs> <laughs>
1: my notes section is very sacred space. But you know you have those where you just like all your little bits mm-hmm. and pieces that you turn to in times of need and I've got yeah, a couple of your things in there actually.
0: Oh, um
1: God. I have referenced this before in another episode and I actually can't remember whose it was right now, but we did an interview with you um, when I was leading my domain, um, Australia, and I loved your, um, I guess, advice and opinion on work-life balance and you had said that you don't really think it exists anymore in these kind of busy lives that we and ambitious lives that we lead and that for you it's all about sort of fitting self-care into that. Um, Mm. So I guess a bit of a two-pronged question but where does that sit with you now um, that you've kind of made the set of decisions that you have and then also in a more practical sense, what advice do you have for women who who know they need care um, but they're probably not prioritising it because it feels um, big and expansive and hard?
0: hmm yeah that's a really good question I feel like I I see it pretty much the same as I always did although granted like I did kind of need to rebalance those scales a little as I said because um, prior to resigning like what I was doing was just trying to self-care as I went um, which I still think is is a thing right because I feel like the idea of work-life balance is like the light at the end of the the tunnel that we never reach like we're always like oh you know like I need to do more um self-care when I get home from work and then what happens like we get home late we're fucking tired we just never do what we say we're gonna do um so I kind of felt like I just have to find those moments during the day that are going to keep me going (laughs) and so that was like drinking water um that I was setting a timer for watching like astrology or tarot reading videos on youtube just to kind of relax and get informed on like what was happening that day or that week and just tune off for a little bit or just walk around the block and make sure that i was like eating a lot of like little snacks because i'm one of those grazing people Mm. um and just doing what i could to like nourish myself as i went because i was working long hours and such um so I wouldn't recommend working long hours and just trying to fit it in as much as you can and, like, having that be enough. Like, you still kind of need to have limitations and boundaries for that to work. And so that was kind of the biggest thing that I learned. So I still take that approach and I still kind of try and um, fit it in, like, wherever I can um, in those methods and in others, like, breathing, you know, like, starting the day by having a little stretch, like, and making sure I don't sit down for too long. like. Mm. Um, CBD and cannabis like are really, really helpful for me if I don't feel like I'm kind of um like about to step into a meeting or something. Yeah. And and these kinds of things. So so yeah, that the same thing still holds true. Um, but I would say that you've got to be realistic about what you can actually do and what you're kind of just in denial about. Um, so if you say like, oh, I'm just fitting in like little things here and there, and they all add up to like three minutes <laughs> out of like a 10 hour day, um, then there's some, there's a bigger picture that like needs to be addressed, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I did kind of learn that the hard way a little bit. And then I guess the thing about self-care is that, I think now people are scared of it because it seems like another chore on their to-do list. (laughs) And it's like this thing where it's like, oh, now I have to do something else. Like I went to the gym, I like did X, Y, and Z, I meal prepped, and now I have to do self-care. Great. (laughs) Um, But I really don't think that it's like as intimidating as all that. Like I really see it as like looking after your basic needs. So you know, hydrating, (laughs) eating right, Um, like breathing well, making sure that your nervous system is kind of like okay and that you're checking in on your thoughts and not like driving yourself mad about things. Um, Really, really little things like that. So it's not necessarily like you need a whole Sunday or like a whole two hours to like get a facial and a a manicure and like do X, Y and Z. And you're not doing self-care if you're not doing that. Mm. I just think it's kind of like it's a consciousness and a mindfulness about like your needs and making sure you take care of them and sometimes the simplest things are the things that we ignore so like you know I'll get up in the morning and I'll be like do 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 walking around the house like check my phone and then I'll realize I've been awake for like two hours and I, I haven't drunk any water like these kinds of little of little things like we all do um so I would say like don't be too intimidated by like all the self-care marketing because like it shouldn't cost money it shouldn't really take like that much effort it should just really be time so like you you can't really do any form of self-care if you don't have the time right so it's just like okay I'm gonna designate five minutes just like with my book like I'm just gonna designate like an hour here or um, 30 minutes here and within that like container of time you're not doing anything that you feel that you have to do in order to be productive <laughs> so mm-hmm. like if you're trying to um, like have a facial and like relax and and that's a cool thing for you to do and that feels like self-care awesome but like are you also like on your phone checking emails like listening to something like that kind of feeling of always having to be productive and working even when we're not at work that's like a real thing now oh so it's none of that you know it's the it's the antithesis of that it's just being and just breathing and letting that be enough and just knowing that like you're taking that time for yourself because you're worth it like you're not a workhorse you know like you're not just like an autopilot kind of machine like you have to kind of just be with yourself and nourish yourself in really simple ways. And if you can do that um, here and there or in big chunks of time or like whatever works, then you're doing okay. But what you can't do is just like unconsciously like go through the motions of life without checking in.
1: Yes, like I've ticked, ticked, ticked. I said um, on Instagram the other day it was really fascinating how much of a response I got to it is The decision to live slower is very humbling. A lot of Mm. days I find it because I've got my ego literally going, what the fuck are you doing? You're like peaking professionally. Like this is your time. You know, you just got your earning power up. Like literally walking Mm. along the page slowly. (laughs) And then I guess my, as I identify with sort of self and soul, it comes in on this side and says like, Literally, this is fucking God's work. Like, leave me alone. Like, it's mm-hmm. a choice I've made, and it's really that all day. Going like, I am not here to be this auto-picking machine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very hard on the days when the anxiety creeps up on the ego side. Mm-hmm. That says like, you haven't done anything today. Like, the protective of Mondays. Like, get this. I'm like, do my soft sand walk. <laughs> absolutely, the Bondi Beach wanker everyone thinks I am. Um, <laughs> and then I buy myself a lovely coffee. I go to acupuncture. Mm. And then actually on this Monday I'm also having a facial and then I go to group meditation at 6.30. And it's like you were saying before, it's like where you can fit it in, right? But I've just got this like massive Junk. day of <laughs> Don't bother me on my day. And like even my producer Darren's here, like last Monday, he was like, Can we talk for 10 minutes? I was like, mm, it's kind of I'm not talking today on Mondays. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not really speaking out loud. Um, <laughs>
0: that's lovely.
1: Want the good news or the good news? We're only halfway through. Stay tuned for part two of my honest conversation with Jericho Mandibo. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Offline. Visit getoffline.co to explore more episodes, the online courses I've created to help you succeed consciously, and upcoming community events. Follow getoffline.co on Instagram and me. My handle is Alison Larson Rice. Lastly, if you know someone who would benefit from hearing these honest conversations, please share Offline with them.